Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. Text for our sermon today comes from our epistle reading from 1 John 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, if we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is our text. Names, as you know, are important. More than just labels, names are pieces of identity, part of what makes each of us the unique person that we are. And that is especially true of your last name, the surname that you simply inherited. The name that is yours by virtue of who your parents happen to be says something about you. Your cultural heritage and where your ancestors lived and worked can all be wrapped up in your family name. So I guess it's not surprising that people with the same family name sometimes decide to celebrate the fact by getting together for a reunion. When my wife and I are walking the circuit around Forest Park, we'll often see them. Crowds of people converging on a picnic shelter that has become the temporary home of some vast extended family. Music will be pounding, grills will be smoking, and coolers will be everywhere. And on occasion, I'm so impressed, they even have bounce houses and even snow cone stands set up. And of course, they all have the official family reunion t-shirt. At least the fully committed family members are easily identified by the common, usually ill-fitting t-shirt that they proudly wear. Now, it's been admittedly a long time since I've been part of a big extended family reunion. Maybe I'm missing out on something, but I'm not too concerned about it. Getting together regularly with all of our kids and all of our grandkids is an adventure all its own even if we don't rent a bounce house or print t-shirts for the occasion. And besides, if I ever really want a really big family reunion experience, well, I've got all of you, don't I? No, we don't have official t-shirts this morning, and we don't have grills and a bounce house waiting out on the lawn. But a family, we are. And a family reunion, this is. It is, after all. All Saints Day, which is rather like a family reunion or homecoming day. Today we remember the saints who have gone before, and there are a lot of them. And today we celebrate the saints that are still living, and there are a lot of them too. Remember, a saint is not a perfect person, 
Satan is not someone who has been granted a superior status by church officials in the Vatican or anywhere else. A saint is not a person who does miracles or who never sins or who seems to be particularly spiritual and heavenly-minded. No, a saint is just a person who knows and trusts Jesus. A saint is someone who has had her sins forgiven because she believes that Jesus lived and died and rose again for her, making her right with God now and forever. Everyone who has faith in Christ is a saint. And that makes you, sitting here this morning, a saint. And that makes All Saints Day your day. Well, yours and every other believer's day. It is a great big family reunion. And that's what we are, isn't it? We're family, you and me together. We are the family of God in this place, thrown together not by choice, but by God's action. We share a peculiar bond, much more than a feeling of kinship or camaraderie. We share a common name, a common heritage, a common inheritance. We share all of this because we share a common brother and a common father. Saints are bound together, united by family ties far stronger than the ties of DNA. Saints are the children of God. By God's choice, by God's action, by God's continued provision, you are who you are, a Christian, a child of God, part of the family. It is a high honor, this heritage you have. It is a stunning gift, and it is, in fact, a real problem. Well, at least at times, it's a real problem. You see, there are times when the children of God seem to be burdened by the designation or made uncomfortable by being held accountable to the name that they have been given. You know the old live up to the family name expectation thing. That expectation can weigh heavily on us because much is expected. And the children, while they don't always live up to the name that they have inherited, that was certainly the experience of the Old Testament believers. They were the children of Israel, called out of Egypt, specially selected at Sinai and given God's own name. The children of Israel were, in fact, the children of God, a holy nation, a chosen people, set apart from the world to be different from the world. God's call was explicit. I will be your God, you will be my people, and they were God's people, his children. They were God's own people with his own name. But time and again, they would betray that name, and they went back to the old ways, the ways of the world. They actually created a golden calf, an idol that they made and then worshiped. They had perpetual dissatisfaction with the food and water that God gave them. They refused to trust God's plan and rely on him to conquer the Canaanites for them. They yearned instead to be like the nations all around. They chose to look like the children of the world instead of the children of God. These were the ways that God's chosen people handled their holy status. You know the stories, 
And the common thread through every one of them is the rejection of the ways of God and the eager acceptance of the ways of the world. The children of Israel were children of God in name only. In fact, the way they lived, they were still children of the world. They were God's problem children. No one likes to be the problem child. As you consider the routine failure of the people of Israel to live up to their name, you might be inclined to breathe a prayer of thanks that you don't struggle with the same old problems as these Old Testament children of God. You can thank God that you're not a problem child like they are, one who goes out and collects gold and shapes it into farm animals. You don't do that kind of thing. You can rejoice that you don't receive God's gifts without real gratitude and with real genuine rejoicing. You're satisfied with all that God gives to you. You're not one of those who despise his benefits to you and you don't disobey his direction for your life. You follow where he leads, right? No, not a problem, child. Not you. The truth, of course, is that we are every bit as human as the Old Testament children of Israel. And like them, we do succumb to impatience and to fear, to failure to follow God's ways, and even to idolatry. Our temptations may be updated, shiny, and sophisticated, but they're exactly the same. In fact, one of the most dangerous temptations that you face is the old, old temptation simply to look like the world around you. You know that temptation, don't you? You know how it feels. You'd rather not be odd or different. You don't want to be weird. You don't want to stand out from everyone else in the world. So whether intentionally or not, most of us have become pretty good at blending in and looking just like the world around. We don't want to look any different than anyone else. And that's a problem. The apostle John names it. You see, in John's time, there was a sharp division between the church and the world. The world, frankly, was dumbfounded and mystified by these Christians. The children of the world who were bent on serving their own desires and were oblivious to God's will and purposes looked very different from the children of God because they were living lives that were directly following what God would have them do and were opposed to the norms and agenda of the world. John understood that when Christians live like Christians, they will always be out of step with the world around. Always. Christians should live such drastically selfless, humble, generous, pious, compassionate lives that the world around will feel rebuked, shamed, and challenged by the very existence of such odd, non-conforming people. That's what John knew would happen when people followed Christ. When people follow Jesus, the world will not get it. It will not understand them. The people of this world did not get Jesus. They couldn't figure him out. 
his teaching, his ways, his very being threatened their comfortable status quo existence. And so they killed him because he was so different. God's radical way of grace and forgiveness is always, always a threat to a world that is founded on pride and self-preservation. Those who follow Jesus, those who are God's children, should be the same kind of people as Jesus. A threat to the world. Dangerous. Disruptive of the social order. Subversive. When John wrote, that's what it meant to be a Christian. So what about you? Where do you fit? Do those around you feel out of step with you? Do you live in such a strangely Christian way that people wonder and sometimes worry about you? Do people describe you as one of those peculiar, odd Christians who seem to challenge everything that the world takes for granted? You know, it's interesting how people can feel great pride in being known as a patriotic American or a member of the NRA or a cheesehead from Green Bay or even a proud member of Cardinal Nation. And they will defiantly display their allegiance to their chosen team and they will endure eagerly endless grief from the rest of the world for the sake of their commitment to their country or their party or their team. And yet these same people, so eager to be identified with whatever they love, will shudder at the thought of being recognized or labeled as a zealous or fanatical Christian who rejects the ways of the world. That they can't stand. The great threat that we face today, my friends, is not persecution from outside. Now, the great threat we face is the temptation simply to blend in and look like everyone else. Christians are tempted to conformity and compliance, tempted to look and sound like everyone else does. We are content, so content, to let others think that we are just nice people who happen to believe in God and heaven and we spend Sunday mornings with some church friends and we tend to be socially conservative for the most part, but that's about it for the differences. Other than that, no big deal, we're just like everyone else. Other than some religious overtones, we're just like every other good, solid American pursuing the American dream, doing what everyone else does, just trying to be happy. We act more like children of the world than children of God. As God's child, you should not only resist the world, you should be a threat to the world. You should be a threat to all that the world, yes, even the American world stands for. Complicity with the world, complacency in the face of the world's pretensions, comfort in the circles of worldly pleasure and prestige. These, these are the great unconfessed sins of the church today. These are the sins for which you and I must repent. Like the children of Israel, you too have yearned desperately to be like the nation around you. You have chosen to identify with the world and have failed the name that you've been given. 
You are to live up to the name of God, the name that God gave you. And yet the comfortable, easy way that you blend in with the world and its ways makes clear that some other name actually identifies you. Like Israel, you also far too often are simply a problem child, a disappointment to your father, a disgrace. You are a problem child, not a child innocent, carefree, and full of potential, but a child in the less savory overtones, helpless, hungry for approval, uncertain, hopelessly selfish, dependent, perpetually needy. When you realize what God expects of you, and then when you recognize what you actually do in your life, when you see your failure to live like the child of God that God says you are, you can only do what broken and repentant children always do. Drop your gaze, hang your head, and confess your sorrow and shame in sobs for dishonoring the sacred name that you bear. Like a child before a disappointed and grieved parent, there is nothing to say except, I failed you, I betrayed your love, I shamed your glory, I disgraced your name. I'm sorry. And at that point, exactly at that point of your most bitter, honest despair, when the searing shame burns white hot in your face, and you don't even want to raise your face to look, and the suffocating reproach swells into an infinite weight that threatens to crush your heart, precisely then, when all the weakness, foolishness, futility, and crippling helplessness of a child flood over you and through you, just then, softly and tenderly, your father speaks your name, lifts your chin, looks you straight in the eye, and with a smile, folds you to himself to surround you in his love and grace and to flood you with his warm, wonderful, wild forgiveness. Such it is to be God's child, possessing nothing, given everything. Such it is to have a father who still claims you and names you as his very own, and such you are right now, no longer God's problem child, but simply God's chosen child, the heir of all his gifts, and such extraordinary gifts the Father has for you. Some gifts you enjoy right here and now, membership in Christ's body, the church, peace that sustains you through every trial, a place set for you at God's table with your name on it, clear direction and purpose for your life each day. Such gifts and such gifts still to come. There are gifts you have waiting for you that will happen only when Christ comes again and the whole creation is restored at last. But be sure of it. On that day, those gifts will be yours. Resurrection, rejoicing, and the ultimate reunion. 
<laughs> for that reunion, I guarantee you, there will be no ill-fitting t-shirts. No, you'll get a robe of righteousness, one with your name on it, one that has been tailored just for you. You are, after all, God's own child. Amen.